0: Welcome to Bible and Stuff, a podcast about the Bible and Stuff. I'm Glenn. And I'm Tanner. And today we are talking about some interesting stuff now that we're kind of getting closer and closer to Easter. Uh, We're actually going to be kind of walking through the story of Jesus's... This is going to sound morbid. (laughs) Jesus's (laughs) walk toward his death. So we'll be covering all of the story. Well, not all of them, but we're going to be covering some of the stories between... Palm Sunday. If you don't know what that is, you'll find out in a few minutes up to Jesus's death. But before we do that, uh, we're going to have a little bit of quarantine talk and uh, see how everybody's doing while we're still in this crazy COVID-19 phase of things.
1: Yeah. So real quick, though, I want to pick apart your intro because... Uh, you said, hey, we're going to talk about interesting stuff, which I thought was hilarious because that's literally the thing my wife gets on to me when because we- <laughs> I say interesting all the time. And I was like, yeah, we are. We always talk about interesting stuff. And the other thing was, is as I was doing research for this episode, I had an epiphany, which was probably, uh, I'm probably really late to the game. <laughs> but okay. I didn't know that this period of Jesus' life leading up to his death was actually like historically referred to as the passion of Jesus. Like, I knew there was a movie, The Passion of Christ, and I knew that <laughs> yeah. that kind of became a thing, but I didn't, didn't necessarily know that was based on... I think I probably in the back of my mind knew it, but what I didn't know for sure until I started doing the study was that passion essentially translates to like suffering.
0: Yeah. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, I didn't really know that until probably a year or two after the movie came out. Yeah. Because I do remember thinking, like, the passion, why? I mean, I guess it's a passionate act. Like, I don't... But yeah, I was in the same boat.
1: Yeah, well, so I've never seen the movie. (laughs) Oh, you haven't? I don't know if that makes me a bad Christian, but I've never seen The Passion of Christ. I think one time when I was like youth group age... I started it and then I was like, why is he talking in a weird language in a forest? And that's the <laughs> beginning of the movie. And then I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this today. So uh, that's that's as far
0: as I made it. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing it with our youth group uh, growing up. And we all went to the movie theater and like at first I was like, oh, shoot, I have to read closed captioning the whole time. This is going to be rough. Yep. But it was super powerful and the movie ended and like the entire movie theater, which was packed, was absolutely silent. Like nobody moved out of their seats. Like it was a solid 10 minutes before the first person got up out of their seat to leave. It was it was crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it'll be the same effect, like watching it in a chair at home, but it is, it's a it's a pretty powerful movie, just being able to visually see. I, I'm a very visual person, so seeing it all uh, come to light, as opposed to reading it, uh, just it was crazy.
1: Yeah, and this is like not a sponsor, or, or we are not, uh, we're not paid to give this plug at all, but... VidAngel actually got an email from them today. They've had their service off uh listed as free for a little for bit free. because of the yeah. quarantine and they've extended that through throughout April. And they have their new series The Chosen on there, which is about the life of Jesus and I guess him choosing the disciples probably, uh based on what I've seen so far. And I've heard it's really good. I haven't watched it yet, but I just told my wife today that that's we're we're going to try to do it before April ends.
0: Yeah, I was I actually worked with a guy who was a co-producer on that. And uh we got to see the first couple episodes for free.
2: And it you, was you.
1: I rolling. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I saw today that they have the first episode for free on YouTube. So, uh you could yeah, watch it worth on VidAngel. Uh, maybe yeah. they should pay us for telling you that, but you can.
0: Now to change directions completely. <laughs> well, <laughs> another streaming platform. <laughs> yeah have you watched tiger king
1: well i was gonna say when you were saying you know how much of an impact the passion of christ had on you and the people of the movie theater i was gonna say you know what's had that impact on me lately is tiger king (laughs) yeah (laughs) after an episode ends i just sat there thinking what in the world did i just watch
0: right it was the (laughs) I, it has it has to be the biggest train wreck of a show that I've ever seen, but I just can't take my eyes off of it. I haven't even finished it yet. And for the record,
1: we can't recommend that you watch it. No, <laughs> it's not a hundred percent appropriate, but it's ex- it's uh, especially interesting for me because the, that that's like right next to my hometown. Like it's Oklahoma. I oh, live yeah. right now. I've been there. I've been to the crazy zoo that he owns in tiger king i'm almost positive i have anyways it had to have been like middle school age i when i watched the show i think that is the place that i went to and it makes total sense it's not that far from my from where i lived and i'm pretty sure we did it on a school trip or maybe a school maybe a trip with the summer program that i was in but yeah like it i'm almost positive i can't swear by because just based on memory but i'm i'm pretty sure i've met joe
0: it's hilarious you say that because as we're watching the show i was like two episodes in and uh the other tiger dude doc doc Antle. oh yeah on the the east coast yeah yeah i was like man he looks he looks super familiar and then it hit me in high school up in new hampshire there's this place called king richard's fair Okay. And I remember going there, and they had this like show going on where they had a Liger, which I just thought was hilarious because all I could think of was Napoleon Dynamite. So I was like, <laughs> we have to go see this. Yeah. And so I, it was totally that guy. I looked it up online, and I was like, yep, he was at King Richard's Fair around that time. Yeah. So did, he have I was, his, did
1: he have his harem with him?
0: No. <laughs> <It's> like, four <laughs> wives? <laughs> That's no, been my, worry, we've
1: only watched like two episodes, but that's been my favorite part yet is when the uh, documentary guy is like kind of talking about it and he's like, yeah, we're not going to get into the, <laughs> the details <laughs> of my complicated personal life. I'm like, yeah, tell, talk about it. Tell me about it. Complicated.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Well, again, so. we don't recommend the show. But it seems like everybody has already watched. I was about to say, anyway, I think,
1: so. I think by the time you hear this, you've probably already seen it based on how much people are talking about it on social media. Okay, so right. Jesus. now we're talking about Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> different kind of Tiger King.
0: So again, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about crazy, right? Uh, we're also talking about basically from Palm Sunday leading up to his death
1: yeah like the the last week of his life
0: and then next week we're gonna do kind of like a a follow-up episode basically taking him from his death to his resurrection sorry for the spoiler and then like the
1: last last week of his life (laughs) like like there's like the last week of his life and then there's like the just kidding i'm back But before we hop into Palm Sunday, which is kind of where we're going to start the bulk of this podcast today, I wanted to kind of like get our bearings, you know, kind of set us up for how we get into Palm Sunday. And if you'll remember Mm -hmm. last week's podcast, we ended essentially talking about the transfiguration. Yeah. So with that in mind, just to give a big fly over Jesus's life and ministry, you can remember at the beginning when he started doing miracles and stuff, he was essentially telling people like hey, don't tell anybody about that. (laughs) Like, keep that between you and me. Don't go spread the word. And then as time goes on, which kind of ends around the transfiguration, we start to see like, oh, things are building up. Like, things are getting real. We're heading towards something. And I thought it was funny as I was flipping through my Bible to kind of look over these uh, sections that we're going to talk about there's some headlines and you know just not not actual biblical text but little headings they put in there to to kind of let you know where you're at right before the transfiguration there's one that says jesus foretells his death and resurrection okay so like he's hinting really hard yeah (laughs) if not just completely spelling it out like this is what's happening and then after the transfiguration He does it again and again. I just just thought it was funny. The headings say, literally, in the ESV anyway, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. Jesus again foretells his death and resurrection. (laughs) Jesus foretells his death a third time. (laughs) So they're just like, yeah, at this point, it's it's changed from him telling people not to talk about it to him pretty much going around, at least to the disciples, and saying, okay, guys, this is coming. This is coming. Uh,
0: But I also feel like... and maybe I'm just maybe I haven't read it right and I need to to dig deeper (laughs) with all of this but I just feel like some of them still don't get it until he like is on the cross like yeah I mean not that far obviously but Uh, some of them don't get it
1: after he's resurrected
0: (laughs) you know what (laughs) I mean like he's telling
1: them like hey I'm gonna die and then if you know of course you have guys like Peter who were like no you're not that's you're not gonna do that you're better than that (laughs) yeah and he says "Oh, contraire uh but then you have a guy like thomas he who, who he literally has told these guys i'm gonna die and then resurrect and thomas is like ah, i'm not so sure he resurrected i feel like the guy's probably still dead i saw him die and sure enough there he is walking around with uh with wounds in his hands and his side so long story short that leads us up to palm sunday which I'll just admit, like, we don't pretend to be experts on this podcast. It, t- it was a long time before I really knew what Palm Sunday was. I always kind of heard people say the Sunday before Easter, like, oh, yeah, that's Palm Sunday. But I, at that time, I probably didn't know my Bible well enough or know that story really much at all to kind of make sense of what the significance of Palm Sunday was, other than it being the week before Easter.
0: That's funny because the church I grew up in, We literally on Palm Sunday would have palms and wave them like as we're doing worship and stuff Mm -hmm. and and would talk through all of this stuff. So like when I moved out here there, I I feel like there were a lot of people who had not just didn't fully grasp like what is Palm Sunday? Why is it called Palm Sunday? Like what's the significance of it? Yeah. Um, And so I just thought that was so interesting because that was something we did every Palm Sunday, growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so let, I guess let's talk about what Palm Sunday is for sure. Since yeah. there probably are people who don't know. So, like Tanner was saying, this is this is the buildup uh, for all that Jesus has done and is about to do, and he is he's making his way into Jerusalem during this time. Yeah. But what's what's really significant and important about it is it's a fulfillment of a prophecy from the Old Testament.
1: Yeah, we actually just had an article go up today, uh, sorry, the day that we are recording this. So if you're catching this a few days from now, uh, there's going to be an article up about Palm Sunday that really goes into depth. We're going to have to cover things pretty quickly since we're covering so much. But one of our writers, Lucas, had this really good line in there where he essentially says, by Jesus riding on this donkey, he's essentially saying... Turn your Bibles to Zechariah nine nine. So these people yeah. who like knew the text, yeah, they know that Jesus is fulfilling this specific prophecy that is in Zechariah nine about this king coming humble, mounted on a donkey on a colt, and that's exactly what Jesus does. In fact, before he goes in, he tells his disciples, "Go get me this donkey colt, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ride that bo- bad boy." <laughs> <laughs> like, and it it is, it's kind of ironic, ironic's not probably not the right word, but it is the way Jesus does everything, where you would expect this majestic king to ride in on a horse with an army, and in fact, that's kind of what some of the Jews were expecting, because they mm-hmm. wanted jesus not to provide salvation in the way he actually does in fact they probably hadn't even thought about that with much how jesus acts in our lives in ways we had never thought about but instead they were kind of like dude we got these romans bearing down on us all the time can you please take care of that
0: yeah they're looking for like a warrior king like yeah not (laughs) i mean not somebody coming in on a donkey but it's yeah which jesus
1: is well, like it's right. funny when you start thinking about the second coming like,
0: De- like definitely warrior
1: king <laughs> he's he's on a white horse sword coming out of his mouth tatted up <laughs> with yeah. his name on his side but on earth uh, it just completely subverts that which is really the interesting thing about Jesus is even when you think like I've got it figured out how he would do this it's always the completely turning it on its head
0: and we we said it's significant first of all that Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy from Zechariah. But it's also just important to keep in mind, as we're going through this right now, keep in mind how he was accepted as he's entering into Jerusalem yeah. and how these people are reacting to him right now so that when we get towards the end of this podcast, we can see the contrast of
1: oh man, some of stark, how people react. Some stark it's contrast. It's crazy. Well, I think if you're reading, like, I wish... I don't know about you, but sometimes I wish I could just go back and read it for the first time. Yeah. Because if you were reading the story up to this point, you're like, it's about to go down. You know what I mean? Like Jesus has led up to this moment. It's almost like he's the rebellion and you're like, heck yeah, the rebels are going to take him down. It really is that idea of like the Romans are out, the Jews Mm -hmm. that, that aren't getting in line. Like he's coming in and he's changing things. And, then he already subverts that a little bit with the donkey thing, <laughs> but right. but then it just really takes a turn here, where, you know, we're about to talk about next thing. he goes into the temple and turns over tables. But after that, pretty shortly he gets arrested, and it doesn't look triumphant like this does. It yeah. looks defeated, and yeah. then, of course, you get the twist ending, which is why pretty much every story ever written that is written well is a rip-off of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Superman, rip-off of Jesus. Like, I, you could go on and on, but like there's so many stories. You can see all these direct parallels to this story because it's just so well-written. It's surprising. Yeah. It has so much great foreshadowing. Anyway, I could go on and on, uh, being nerdy about I it. But uh <laughs> I, I wish I could read it for the first time. And, and see how these things unfold in such an odd, but really satisfying way yeah. once you get to the end of the story.
0: So, this next part that Tanner kind of already talked about this a little bit, but the day after Palm Sunday, yep. we see Jesus going, he's in Jerusalem, and he goes to the temple, right? Which is supposed to be this place where you, it's a place of worship, it's a holy place. And like Tanner says, we start seeing him flipping tables. And I remember reading that for the first time and being like, whoa, 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 wait. <laughs> Jesus can get angry? Like, yeah. he's, he's mad about stuff? Like, I thought Jesus was just growing up because I, I never, sorry, I don't want to say I never read my Bible, but I I based so much of my knowledge of Jesus off of what people were telling me for sure, rather than biblical truth that... I just assumed Jesus is always loving and caring, you know, cuddling the children and like keeping everybody safe and warm. And then I read this and I'm like, what?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and it is odd because not only is it weird to see Jesus flat out angry if you have this kind of warped picture of Jesus that I think most of us growing up in America with like Thomas Kincaid paintings probably have of like pretty hair, blue eyes, Tree hugging Jesus. Uh, it gets weird to see angry Jesus. Yeah. But it's even a little bit weirder when you take into account the story that he's in the temple. Yeah. So he's in the temple where you think he's supposed to be this like religious figure and savior who's going to come in and shake everybody's hand and they're going to love him. And he starts freaking out and kicking people out. But the reason he's doing this, we find out in the story, if, if, we're pretending or maybe you really are getting to kind of unfold this for the first time is because they have taken the temple and desecrated it by turning it into what he calls the den of thieves they make it a place of business where they're ripping people off and making shady deals and he is not having it
0: yeah uh, it's so interesting, the more you more you dig into it, like to see what the temple was meant to be and what it's been turned into, they're they're selling animals for people to sacrifice and basically like upping the the price of everything and like not giving pure animals out and all this stuff. And it's just it's crazy to see how much they take advantage of all of this it's not too
1: dissimilar from like what we see in the reformation times where the catholic church of the time was like selling indulgences to help people get into heaven like it's that same kind of perversion of like making christianity a business yeah and we we see this today not to get too much into it but there are definitely people who take the gospel and pervert it into something that helps them make money helps them look good Mm -hmm. helps them be rich and live in mansions and have jets yeah and jesus hates it (laughs) he does not like it
0: well and i think that's i mean we've seen it but jesus really starts to rub the high priests the wrong way
1: yeah yeah, the Jews that are are not already probably not his biggest fans start to really figure out like we got to do something about this guy. Yeah. Like he is he is causing a ruckus. He is going to be an upset. People are, you know, worshipping him when he comes into town. He comes into our temple where we have stuff going the way we want things to go and starts tearing things up and they're like this is going to end. Well,
0: I don't know how you've thought of this through the ages, through the ages,
2: <laughs> through the <laughs> throughout ages. your
0: life. But <laughs> I, I guess I always imagined that the high priests were not accepting Jesus because they didn't think he was the Messiah or the savior. But then as I read through the text yeah. more and more, I realized, no, they do. Some of them do actually think he is the Messiah. They just don't want to lose their livelihood.
1: Yeah. I, Yeah, I think you're right. Like, it probably is a weird mixture of both. I think there's a whole lot behind it. Like, first of all, they don't want a guy coming in and taking their place. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they are the top dog right there, and they definitely don't want some stranger walking in and people starting to listen to him and not them. Yeah. But there also is that sense of where they have built all these rules around the actual rules of the Bible, you know, what today we would call legalism, that when they see Jesus break those rules, it doesn't make sense to them. They're like, no, 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 no. He's not doing this the way I understand right. it. Right. And Jesus is saying, you understand it wrong. <laughs> and I'm here to bring truth. I am the truth the way in the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so, yeah, he's correcting the wrong way that they are going about these things. So, anyway, got to move on, because we got a lot to cover and not a lot of time to do it. But on the way back from this ordeal at the temple, Jesus is hungry, and he sees a fig tree, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna eat from that. But then he realizes it's not bearing any fruit. And so, we have this weird story where Jesus curses this tree, and it withers up, and the disciples see it, and they're amazed, and Jesus explains to them, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can go to the mountain and say, go throw yourself into the sea, and it's going to be done. Whatever uh, you ask for in prayer, if you believe, you will receive. And so, obviously that (laughs) verse is misconstrued and, and used wrongly at times, but what comes from this really weird story about Jesus getting mad at a fig tree is actually this pretty cool moment of Jesus preparing his disciples for what's going to come and say, you have to rely on prayer. And if you do, like God's going to be there and and I'm going to give you what you need in the instances if you just have faith. If you'll just believe that I'm there for you, I'm there for you. Yeah. I also, when I was reading this... In order with the story that we just read before, kind of see a tie between the two where Jesus is pointing out the hypocrisy of the people like those in the temple who on the outside appear to bear fruit. You know, they appear to be religious, they're in the temple, they're doing religious y things, but they're not actually bearing any fruit. They're actually dead trees. And you can see how Jesus takes to that. You know, he curses the tree. Yeah, I, I, to me it makes that second story make a lot more sense, which is normally confusing on its own when you take it right after the scene in the temple where he's dealing with essentially the same thing but in human form instead of tree form. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's it's good. And that was also another place in the Bible where I've I've also stopped and been like Jesus just cursed something? What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, we get through these sections and then there is a huge chunk of time where Jesus just tells these parables. I, I, I don't even remember how many there were in there, but we were just going to touch upon a couple of them. Yeah,
1: I like the heading you wrote down, which is parables galore.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a lot. And we're not, not covering them all because we don't think they're important. Like You should read through all of them. They They are so good. But for the sake of time, we just ha- we picked out a couple that we were going to talk through.
1: Yeah, so this is in the context of these religious leaders and people like that questioning Jesus. So they're, they're trying to get him to mess up because they've seen the threat that he can be, and they really want to pin the tail on the donkey and say, see, 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 this guy is not who he says he is, or this guy isn't as good as you think. And so he starts to speak in parables, as he often does, and explain things to them. And in a lot of these, he's essentially insulting them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's saying, like... Well, the first parable right off the bat. Yeah. The two sons, the parable of the tenants, he's essentially saying, like, you're the bad guys in this story.
0: Yeah. Uh, Basically, okay. like, hey, I've come here, and yeah, maybe you doubted me at first, but you've seen what I can do, and you still choose not to believe. And in a lot of them, he's essentially insulting these guys. <laughs> he's
1: he's essentially saying, like, Let me tell you this story. By the way, you're the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> and like Glenn said, they're all worth reading. But in a lot of them he is directly challenging the way that they would do things. And towards the end he essentially just says it outright when he gives what's called the seven woes to the scribes and Pharisees, saying, Woe do you this, woe to you this, and At the end of them, he calls them snakes and a brood of vipers, and he is really drilling down on this idea of their hypocrisy, where they are whitewashed tombs, you know? They try to look nice and be proper on the outside, but on the inside, they're messy and dirty and not following God.
0: And I I totally read this two ways. First, I read it, and I think, yeah, Jesus, like... (laughs) Tell them. Tell them what's up. And then I read it again and I'm like, oh, man, you're talking to me sometimes, too. Like, I am that person who is putting on that facade and not living the way that I'm speaking. Uh, So, it's also eye-opening and convicting. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's
0: (laughs) how the Bible works. (laughs) Yeah. So, wrapping that up, we're basically saying Jesus is calling out (laughs) these religious leaders saying you're hypocrites. You are full of lawlessness on the inside, even though you try to portray this holy, righteous person on the outside. And he's fed up, calls them a brood of vipers, and he's like, this is the end, okay? Uh, And then Jesus starts talking about some end times kind of stuff. And I mean, even over just my lifetime, I feel like I've heard so many people say like, it's the end times because the Bible said this and now it's happening and blah, blah, blah. Well, but, we're in
1: the middle of it right now with yeah. you know coronavirus. Like I've heard so many times that like oh you know this is like that thing or it's like okay like, you know maybe but also can't we're, not, we're not say gonna it, yeah. know. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the only thing I know is that we won't know. Yeah, uh, and so just for those of you listening, the Bible literally makes that clear. I think Jesus said, like, the angels won't even know. Like, only the Father will know when the time comes.
1: Yeah, and if we've learned anything about Jesus, is that whatever our expectation is, he's probably going to subvert that anyway. So... If we start looking at things that seem like they would be the time or the place, it's probably definitely not that. Right.
0: (laughs) So, don't read into it too much when we share these things, but these are some of the things that Jesus says are going to happen. He says that there's going to be wars between nations, there's going to be earthquakes, false prophets, Christians being shamed for their beliefs. The sun and the moon going dark, angels coming down from heaven to take up believers before the full destruction of the earth, just all of this stuff. And like Tanner's saying, yeah, we see hints of it all over the place. But the Bible, again, clearly says that we will not know when the time actually comes.
1: Yeah. And there's this really good line about the war specifically where he says there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. That is so metal. (laughs) (laughs) There I believe there actually is an album by um The Chariot. It was like a hard, hardcore metal album called Wars and Rumors of Wars. And I was just like, Oh, that's so balling. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, completely off topic. But every time I read that, I'm like, that's so hardcore. Um and so yeah, (laughs) Jesus is is telling them, you know, now he's going past his death, his resurrection, he's saying, even past that man here's what's going to happen and here's what it's going to look like and so he's really preparing them for him leaving by by giving them all the cards he's given them the full story the entire playbook and right at the end before the next section we're going to talk about when he's anointed we get that really powerful passage from Jesus where he says you know to some people I'm going to say hey I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me, so on and so forth. But there are going to be other people who say, Didn't I serve you? And he will say, Depart from me, for I never knew you, you know? Because Jesus identifies with the weak and the poor and the needy and the sick. And he says, If you're not serving those people, if you're not serving the least of these, you're not serving me. Mm. And so, obviously, very convicting to us now, but also giving the disciples a guideline for how they ought to act. You know, very clearly, like, I'm not going to be here much longer. Here's the things you need to be worried about.
0: So, we're going to take a quick ad break, but when we get back, we're going to see kind of the turning point to all of this, where things actually start to have this domino effect leading to Jesus's death. So, we'll be right back after this break. Are you living your best quarantine life? If you don't have Redbud coffee, I don't think you are.
1: Oh, you're probably not.
0: <laughs> Guys, if you've been listening at all, you know that we are fans of Redbud coffee. We're
1: big fans. And like, Don't get me wrong. It's not just because we have the potential to make a little bit of money off of this deal. We actually like them. Yeah, and what they stand for. Uh, They're great guys. It's a great family-owned business. uh, And we really believe in them as people and their products. Not to oversell it, but it's good stuff. They have a variety of different kinds of coffee, espresso, decaf, and really they're all worth trying.
0: And don't forget, because you guys are pretty tight with us, you also get 10% off your order. And how do we do that again? Bible and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Use the promo code Bible and stuff. You get 10% off your order for that. That's pretty legit. Yeah,
1: guys. So you go to redbudcoffee.com. You buy some coffee from them. But you use your Bible and stuff promo code to get 10% off. It's a win-win. You get great coffee. You help us out and triple win it's like the office the key scenario is win, win, win 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 you support a really great company that we believe in and are really happy to be partners with so redbudcoffee.com code bible and stuff
0: check it out so we are back and we are about to talk about all of these big turning points that are ultimately going to lead to jesus's death We're going to hop right back in because there's still a lot to cover, Um, and we want to make sure that we kind of take some time on some of these. But Jesus has just told us about what the end times are going to be like, Uh, and now we are moving forward. I kind of referenced this a little already, but Jesus goes to dinner, and now we have this moment in Bethany where he's anointed.
1: Yeah, so basically after Jesus tells all those parables, like you said, the people that he was talking to, they all come together. and I'm like, this dude's got to go. Like, we, we got to kill him. And so at that time, Jesus leaves the city. They go to Bethany to spend the night, and he's at the house of Simon the leper. And this woman comes up, and she anoints him with the alabaster flask. You've probably heard that story if you grow up in church. And that's a really cool story. We're just going to kind of glance over it right now for the sake of time but she essentially gives up something that could have been of lot to value to her, the opposite of what we're seeing with the Jewish leaders, and instead uses it to serve and worship and anoint Jesus before uh, his death plan (laughs) that they have set up really starts to roll out and take effect. And so Mm -hmm. then we start to see Judas... They bring one of the very disciples that Jesus is teaching and talking to and living with and loving, and they make him part of their plan to take him out. And he agrees, he bargains, essentially, to get a good deal for how much money he can make to hand over Jesus. And so he gets his 30 shekels, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, which uh, it's so weird reading this, like... Just going to them and doing this because in my head I'm like dude you've been walking with Jesus for how long like one why are you doing this and two like you don't think he knows <laughs> that this is going to happen and I know it's it's all part of the ultimate plan and everything but it's just so crazy
1: yeah, and we see the very evidence that Jesus knows about Judas's betrayal as we continue on in the story toward the Last Supper, or if you're reading, maybe it's called the Lord's Supper. And him and the disciples are celebrating Passover together, and they have bread and the wine. And in the midst of this scene and this really cool foreshadowing of Jesus again paying for our sins. Cause he can't shut up about it, even though people still aren't getting it. <laughs> uh, he tells them, "Hey, I know one of you's gonna betray me. Like, it's not a surprise." Judas <laughs> doesn't necessarily say it, but uh, you can almost, if if you read it slowly and carefully, like feel the tension in the room. Yeah, when he says that.
0: Well, and Judas isn't the only one who gets called out either. Peter also, Peter is just a like gung ho like you're a jesus kind of guy is how i picture him and yeah. jesus is also like no peter you're you're gonna deny me three times um yeah. and ba- and peter's like no i would never <laughs> but he totally does before the rooster crows. like he
1: <laughs> he's like he's, it's almost like when uh this sounds bad, but it's almost like when you hear someone dating and you're like, I give it 2 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not going to last long. He not only does he tell Peter like you're going to betray me, but he uh or you're going to deny me, but he's like you're not even going to last long, Peter. Like, come on, man. And I agree, it is representative of kind of Peter's personality that we see from the story. He's this very emotionally driven guy, and that makes him really passionate about times and very bold Mm -hmm. for Jesus. But that also makes him very reactionary when he's in a situation like he ends up in when he denies Jesus (laughs) and cusses out a little girl (laughs) in order to tell them, hey, that's not me, man. So then we move on to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's like we talked about earlier in the episode <laughs> that the passion of the Christ starts out in, mm-hmm. this, uh, in this place. And Jesus is, well, really, we get to see a different side of him, kind of. We get to see this really personal, intimate side of Jesus. And he asks the disciple to pray for him. And then he goes further into the forest and he's essentially saying god like i'll do whatever you want but if we can find another way like i'm i'm all for it <laughs> yeah and and i say that very casually but like jesus is like crying out he's in agony like just saying i know this is the plan i know why we're doing it i will do it but he knows how much pain and how much anguish it is going to be for him yeah and i think it's such a beautiful thing, one, to know that Jesus wrestled in some way, I don't know if that's the right word theologically, but he wrestled with this idea of like, God, I know what you want from me, but it's hard, and I'm not sure I can take it, but still saying, I submit, like, whatever you would have me do, I'll do it, because that's something we can relate to, you know, like feeling like God is wanting you to do something that you're not ready, or you feel unprepared, or you just know it's not going to feel good at the end of the day, and still saying, okay, I am here to obey, I'm here to listen, I'm here to follow your plan regardless. And so, like, he really sweats it out here to the point where he's, like, sweating drops of blood, like, complete agony over this. And then, of course, he checks on the disciples and they're sleeping. Three times.
0: (laughs) Three times he checks on them and they've fallen asleep.
1: (laughs) He's like, guys, you have no idea what I'm going through in here and you can't even stay awake. You
0: had one job.
1: (laughs) And so, essentially, God's not letting this cup pass, to quote Jesus, and... Jesus knows what he has to do. And then pretty much directly after this, Judas comes with his boys, his new boys, not our boys, as we would normally say, but his <laughs> boys, and they're, they've are they got swords and clubs, and they were sent by the chief priest to seize him and to take Jesus and arrest him.
0: Yeah, and the way that they know it's Jesus is... And you've probably heard this phrase before, uh, but Judas betrays him with a kiss. Yeah. Like this intimate thing, he goes over to Jesus and kisses him to let this gang of people know like this is the guy. And that is just like reading that and seeing that is just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Well, again,
1: and honestly, I'm just thinking about this as we're going through it, but and maybe I'm reading into it too much, but it, again, it reminds me of the way that the Pharisees and Sadducees were acting, where they are acting as if they love God, mm-hmm. but they're actually doing something completely different. So like Judas is showing Jesus a sign of affection with a kiss, but literally in that same kiss, he is betraying him and he is turning him over to be arrested for no reason, really. Yeah, And so... Again, it points at the hypocrisy that Jesus is calling out in these people. And now, not is it just the people across the aisle from him, but it's literally someone who's been with him this entire time acting that exact same way.
0: Yeah, and, and we, we come to see it, it does eat away at Judas. And it, it happens some verses after this, but Judas ends up hanging himself. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's just, it's hard to read it. For me, sometimes, yeah. So yeah, J- Judas betrays him with the kiss, and then, then we see this like mini fight start to take place, and Jesus is like, "Whoa, disciples, halt!"
1: <laughs> Peter being gung ho again, yeah, cuts a dude's ear off, yeah, and Jesus just like puts it back, i was like, "Okay, let's oh. get this over with."
0: <laughs> but but Jesus basically says, "Guys, this is this is the fulfillment of Scripture. This is what is supposed to happen."
1: I've been telling you this is coming.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, of course, after Jesus is arrested, uh, they take him. And what they do is they take him to a guy named Caiaphas, the high priest and the Sanhedrin. So it's the scribes, the elders, all the leaders of these people that are opposing Jesus. And they put him on trial. And they basically tell Jesus, like, hey, here's the charge against you, man. Like, you say you're the son of God. And he says, "You said it. Who <laughs> you say I am? <laughs> like, yeah. Like you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds
0: of heaven." And that's where it's like, oh, <laughs> blasphemy.
1: <laughs> yeah. And well, yeah. And that's what they say. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So he's guilty. Let's uh, let's move on. the The funny part is, like, he's telling the truth. He's not right. actually blaspheming. Had someone else said it totally would have been blasphemy
0: and this is this is where we actually see peter denying christ right
1: yeah so he's like following from a distance and again like these people start to ask him like hey aren't you the guy that was with that guy don't you know that dude and he just passionately denies and says that's not me i don't know who you're talking about don't know that guy to the point where he he curses out this little girl
0: and then the rooster Legitimately crows,
1: yeah, and so it becomes very clear that Jesus was right, and Peter realizes that, and he weeps yeah uh he 's pretty upset about it because he was sure that it wasn't going to happen, and he was wrong
0: <laughs> now, from here, the pace really picks up because now they got something on Jesus, so they 're like, you know what we 're going to do this, like let's follow through with this, and they uh they take him to Pilate, that basically the Governor, with the intent of putting him to death
1: and the thing about Pilate in this story is that he really actually knows that Jesus isn't doing anything wrong, but he doesn't want to shake things up basically mm. he 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 sees that the crowd is starting to be outraged, and so he's like, "Okay, all right, if you guys want me to, to arrest this guy we'll like we'll put him in jail." But there's also this tradition of giving someone up, or give, like setting someone free. And so just to like double-check, he's essentially like, okay, well, I, c- I can release Jesus Christ, or I can release Barabbas, who some people say was probably Jesus Barabbas. So it's like, Jesus Christ, Jesus Barabbas, like, you want one of these guys? And they're all like, definitely Barabbas, who, as you probably know if you've heard the story, is known murderer like definitely mm-hmm. guilty, like still basically has blood on his hands. <laughs> and they're all like, okay, that guy killed people. This guy we're we're mad at for stuff. Uh Let's take the murderer. And so they set Barabbas free and Jesus again, undeservingly
0: is kept. And now r- remember earlier I was saying, think back to... Jesus coming into Jerusalem, this is where I see that huge contrast. Now, I know this is a a lot of the religious leaders and everything, but just in general, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and is being accepted and people are celebrating, putting their cloaks down on the ground for his donkey to, to ride over. And now he's at this place where everybody is like, no, we want him put to death. And Pilate actually ends up asking, like, well, what is it that you'd have me do with this man? And they say, crucify him, which yeah. is just the, it's the ultimate death.
1: Yeah. And then, like, so then as we move into that crucifixion, like, we're seeing Jesus' beaten, mocked, spit on. So he goes from people cheering to people yelling, you know? Yeah. From people like you said, putting their robes down for his donkey to walk on to like ripping
0: his clothes off
1: and And trying
0: to sell them too, right?
1: Yeah, they're they're casting lots for them. That was like part of a prophecy is that they would essentially like roll some dice to see who got to keep his stuff. <laughs> and uh yeah, so they go from like laying their cloaks before him to Taking his off and beating him and mocking him and yeah, just really humiliating him. I mean, not to mention the physical pain, but also just like the complete hate and disregard that they treat him with.
0: So Jesus goes through this, being whipped, being beaten, having this crown of thorns put on his head, and he still hasn't he still hasn't been crucified yet. Like he is taking a beating. And like, uh, almost to the point of death already. And now he's expected to carry this cross uh, and be crucified.
1: Yeah. And that's, uh, man, I've heard some really good sermons on it. I don't have it all written down here. But it is worthwhile, at least once in your life, to just actually look at like what medically Jesus went through. Mm. Like the way a crucifixion and the beating and stuff like that beforehand was like engineered to inflict as much pain on someone as you possibly could without killing them. like it's morbid and it's hard to listen to and think about, but at least once just to just to even be able to kind of grasp what he went through yeah uh, in order to to carry out god's plan. yeah and so when we get to the end of that road. We see Jesus nailed to the cross and, and stood up on that cross to hang. And he's hung between those two thieves that you've probably heard of, one of which doesn't get it <laughs> and mm. uh, isn't repentant, and another one who is and says, Oh man, yeah, you're God. And Jesus says, Hey, today you're going to be with me in heaven. Like that's, that's a story we probably uh, know, but still powerful nonetheless, that he is pointing out, like, it's going down today, and he's also pointing to the saving power that he has after he does this and defeats death. And so, I mean, we have a lot of things happen in this moment, like the sky go dark, and when Jesus, you know, calls out, like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think we've talked about this in a previous podcast, like, this one final moment where maybe Jesus actually felt some sense of separation from God that he had never felt before so that we might feel a sense of closeness to God through him uh anyway uh yeah it's just there's so we could spend a whole podcast talking just about just about that moment of yeah. the crucifixion and the few things that happened around it because it's so packed But again, one thing we do see that is pointing towards the new reality that is coming with a dead, buried, but then resurrected Jesus is when the curtain of the temple is torn from top to bottom, essentially saying, you don't have to be this high priest to enter this room anymore as long as you believe you are going to be able to interact with god and be in the presence of god god is now going to live in you he's not going to live in this building and i mean you see big things like these the earth shaking and rock splitting and tombs breaking open and uh people holy people like believers who uh had died were raised and it's just all craziness yeah. <laughs> like just all levels uh, of wacky breaks out but in a in the best way
0: and so all of this is it it comes to this single point jesus actually dies on the cross but it doesn't end there and i feel like it, it, we were talking earlier about the movie the passion and it you lead up to this point, it's this dramatic, crazy emotional point, and then he's dead, and you're like, "What? That's the end of the movie. <laughs> uh, they They end up revealing a little bit of of what is to come. and that's kind of where we're gonna leave you today. Next week, we'll talk more about the resurrection and and what took place after. but in other words, Yeah,
1: it's the end of this podcast, but it's definitely not the end of the story. The great thing about our entire religion is that Jesus didn't stay dead. Um, He was resurrected and he defeated death. The one thing that can literally take down anyone on earth was finally conquered uh, by the Son of God, the only person who could have done it. And so, yeah, we are going to talk about that more next week week after you get to celebrate Easter with your church, probably online. It's a weird year. <laughs> it's a weird time. But uh, nonetheless, Easter is still here and we still get to marvel at what God has done.
0: Yeah. We hope you guys uh, enjoyed following along today as we, if we walk through the story of, um, of Jesus and uh, just this crazy period of time leading, leading up to his death. We hope you come back next week to listen through. But like we said, we hope you have a great Easter, and we'll catch you next week. Peace.
1: The Bible and Stuff podcast is a production of Bible and Stuff. We do more than just podcasts, so if you want to know more about something we've covered on the show, just visit our website at bibleandstuff.com. Our show is hosted by Tanner Britt and Glenn Brand, and our theme music is by The Sing Team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.